Welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany, the podcast that is sure to challenge and grow your faith. Join me as we hear personal testimonies from ordinary people having radical encounters with Jesus. Together, we'll learn the power of believing God and His Word. I hope it inspires you to look at how God is showing Himself faithful in your life and challenges you to step out and testify. If you're finding yourself here for the very first time, I want to say welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm so glad that you decided to stop by. And I want to remind you that God has something incredibly amazing for you. So without further ado, my guest today is 64 years old. She's a grandmother who now lives in Memphis, Tennessee. She has a 36-year-old daughter and a son who is 41. She has a grandson, age 10, who is a delight to the entire family. She has worked as a medical transcriptionist for 37 years and now works as a caregiver for the last six years. She is currently writing her second book that will cover her journey with God from the land of Goshen, Indiana. She enjoys spending time with her family, listening and talking to people, and writing. She loves the mountains, flowers, coffee, and chocolate, and serving others is a joy. Y'all, if this testimony already isn't incredible, this introduction of my guest today, I don't know what is. I love the mountains. I love chocolate and flowers and fresh coffee. I just want to sit on the porch with our guest and talk about Jesus. I am so honored and excited to introduce to y'all Miss Iris Long. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. I believe God has something he wants to deposit in you through our guest and her testimony today. How are you today? Hello, Tiffany. I am doing well. It is wonderful to hear your voice. And thank you for this opportunity. I love to talk about God. Good. Then we're in great company. And I'm just thinking like, as I'm reading over your stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, me and Miss Iris need to have coffee and chocolate together, sitting and looking at mountains. And I think we would both be just happy talking about the Lord. That is true. That is the truth. (laughs) That to me sounds like the perfect day. It does to me too, because I love being outside (laughs) on bad days. If I go outside, it lifts my spirits. I think it's because I'm in the creation of God and he is in his creation. Yes. You know what? When I, so I've lived in Texas the majority of my life and where I live in Texas, unfortunately, there there is rarely Mm. any hills or anything like that. Like I don't live in the, the beautiful parts of Texas that have the rolling hills. I'm down um, in the boot of Texas close to the, which is it's its mm-hmm. own beauty um, but there was a season when God called me to move to Utah and I had never seen snow I had never seen mountains and I got I had the honor and privilege of living in Utah for five years and Iris that is where I encountered God as Elohim the creator like mm-hmm. looking at the mountains even talking to you right now I just feel the presence of God I'm just covered in chills looking at those mountains I was undone that at the thought of thinking like God spoke and mountains just, they came, they appeared, they were, that, that the God created me created those mountains. And said I would just go outside. I, I just longed to be outside because of the beauty. I, it was like, I could, I could never take it in enough. Um, mm. And so man, getting out in creation, it ministers to me in a 
but it didn't used to once God brought me to that place and I had an encounter with him as the creator. Yes, I understand that. I, there is just something about being outside, even even on a gray day. If there's a little breeze, you know, you feel the wind on your face. You you know that he created all this. The old trees that have been around a long time and then the young ones that are coming up kind of reminds me of us. The older, the younger, um, we're all learning and growing in different stages, different spots on our journey. But we're all together. We're part of his body and this creation uh, just reminds me of us, not that we are trees or animals or anything like that, but just his hand upon us, his hand upon all of creation. And there's something reassuring about that, um, yes. his strength and power and sovereignty with us. Yes, and it says all of creation groans for the coming of him. And and I think about too, like even when I'm outside and the, my kids are playing and the birds are just singing, I'll tell my kids, I'll say, do you hear that? The birds are singing to Jesus. Like they're singing to, to their creator who created them. It, it's, it's, you know, when speaking about trees, I love, I love that picture. You know, all through the Bible, God speaks about, you know, there's, there's all these things about trees, the cedars of Lebanon. And, um, I, there's a Psalm that talks about the, the palm trees and how, uh, our lives yeah. can be representation of palm trees. And then in Isaiah it talks about oaks of righteousness. And so there's a lot that we can take from looking around creation. Everything preaches, the trees can preach. They can tell us about our creator. They, we can actually glean spiritual things if we have eyes to see and ears to hear what father wants to speak through it. So I've just been undone with the, with encountering God as creator being in his creation. Yes, it is. So once you know him and you start to see things a different way, Everything is so new and vibrant and vital and just enjoyable. The things that you didn't notice before because you're so wrapped up in yourself or what's going on or what's wrong that you don't see the good. You don't see the beauty. You don't see the um, just the miracle of life. Yes. And I, I, yes. I already love how this episode has started. I am so excited. I um, mm-hmm. I met Iris through um, my publisher, Deborah Hunter. She, she has published a book, um, some books for me, and I have been looking for guests to be on my podcast. Tagged Iris, and Deborah just man, Iris's story, it's absolutely beautiful. You're gonna be wrecked by what God has done in her life. And so I'm I have a I have an ex- expectation to take something from your story, and mm-hmm. I believe that God those listening right now to Iris's story that God is going to deposit something in you. I love the scripture that says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Testimonies are important to God. We've got to steward them. You know, that's one way that we, that we can, our hope can be renewed in Christ. Jesus is hearing how God has shown himself faithful to somebody else and how they've overcome and their relationship with the Lord has flourished because they've grown through what they've gone through. And so, Iris, I, I am so ready to hear your story. So I'm going to go ahead and just let you take it away. Okay. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, what you said is so true. Not only does it, what you said about the testimony true, but it also strengthens you as you go through new things or he takes you on a new level. You can look back at what he's brought you through and you know he is faithful. 
It may not be comfortable, but he is faithful to be with you. But I wanted to start with, um, I came from the generation when the families were pretty much still intact, but we did not come. My sister and I were, we didn't come from a traditional family. Our parents were not Christian and we didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, Both parents had been married previous to their marriage. And we were born when my mother was in her late thirties and my father was in his forties. We're two years apart and I'm the oldest. And when my sister was around two to three years old, something happened to our mother. Uh, We don't know to this day exactly what happened, but she had to be institutionalized. And she was in and out of an institution until she died when when I was 16. We did not live with her. Um, My father um, wanted to have custody of us, but at that time they didn't give fathers custody. So we were in the court system for a while and we lived with different relatives. And uh, I didn't know everything that went on, but I knew enough that fear was the first thing I was aware of because nothing was ever stable, nothing was ever the same. We didn't know from one day to the next where we'd be or what we'd be doing. And my father remarried a woman who was actually a friend of a sister because he thought um, he could work because my dad was a provider father and he worked hard and he always went to work. And he needed a woman to take care of the house, cook and take care of us because by this time I'm five, not quite. I'm not in school yet, but I'm getting ready to go into first grade. We didn't have kindergarten then. And, um, but I don't know what she told my father, but after they got married, it was not Rosie. And she really didn't want any uh, to have to raise two little children. She was in his age category, had grown children. So we were shuttled around and there was a lot of friction in the home arguing, fighting, not beating each other up, but just arguing and yelling and hollering and cursing. And it would get so bad that my father would drive us, bring us to Memphis where our aunt lived with one of his older sisters, Aunt Lucy. Well, when I was eight, we came to live with her permanently because we'd been shuttled around and I was in and out of different schools. And so um, we had some stability with that. And Aunt Lucy gave us a secure home Uh, We stayed in the same school, but there was no love in the house. And so going to, we were always taken to Sunday school, taken, dropped off and picked up. Nobody ever went with us, but church was a sanctuary for me. There was somebody at church named Jesus that loved all the children of the world. And I needed to know that. But when I looked around, of course, I'm looking with the child's mind and I see children with parents, they have families. They're, they go on vacations in the summer. They have fun. And we don't have that. So in my mind, Jesus doesn't love the children the same. He may love us all, but he loves some more than others because some have parents and some don't. Now, that's not an accurate picture, but that's what I thought as a child. And this church that I went to, I was saved and baptized there when I was 12. Probably more because I was afraid of going to hell because the church preached hell and brimstone you know every Sunday so I had this giant fear of God I didn't want to make him mad so I did what I was supposed to do but I didn't really understand relationship with Jesus at that time and our church moved out of the neighborhood they moved with the new growth of the city out east so we didn't have transportation and and I was just lost to church after that when I was 16 I got pregnant and I had an abortion I'm not proud of it, but it's part of my story, and God would not let me leave it out of the book, so I've talked about it enough that I can say it. Um, It's uh, uh, it's just a bad time. It really was. Uh, 
I got married when I was 17. Not to this was not the father of the child. Uh, he was a boy I dated for two years, and um, I got married. Uh, he he, we know at 17 you're in love. What you know of love at 17, and but we had a blessed life. We we both worked. Uh, my husband was very responsible. Uh, we did not do any drugs or alcohol. We never did. We didn't smoke. Um, we were like little adults. And we got our first house. Five years later, we had our first child. Five years later, we had our second child. And I thought life was good. And then at about 17, 18 years, he wanted a divorce. He moved out. He was involved with someone else. And uh, life pretty much went way down at that point. Um, I suffered great financial losses and my focus became uh, work because I didn't have anyone to fall back on. I knew I had to provide, I had to pay my bills. And that was just all I thought about for those next years was just working, paying bills, having enough money to live. Um, there were a lot of financial losses during that time. And I really did not understand how this could happen to me because I had never been unfaithful. I was a good mom. Uh, how could I lose everything when I'm not the one leaving? But I did. Financially, I was devastated. And he had family support on his side. And that was a big help to him. I didn't have anyone. And I did not know that God would help me because I would pray, but I didn't have any faith in my prayers because I felt like if God loved me, I wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. So if he allowed this to happen, then maybe I deserved it because I'm one of those throwaway kids that was never going to amount to anything. And so this is the kind of life I'm going to live. I mean, I really had a negative viewpoint of myself and of God and of any kind of life with God. So I felt like I felt like that only uh, pastors, ministry people and their children could have a good life. The rest of us, we just had to get by the best we could. And maybe God would be, you know, show us some mercy now and then to help us get along. I really had no adult understanding of God. I was divorced nine years and I woke up on my birthday in 2005 with this real realization. It wasn't a dream. It was like I woke up knowing that life was going to change. And it was the most profound uh, feeling in my mind, heart, soul, spirit, body. Like I knew, I knew this was going to happen, but I didn't know how and where was it going to come from? And I thought that has to be God, but why would God do that for me? You know, I had immediately the negative starts coming in. And I so I expected something to change like today, tomorrow, by the end of next week. And the days passed and the weeks passed and the months passed. Nothing happened. And I thought, well, you were probably just wishful thinking. There wasn't anything good going to come out of that. Well, I had started Internet dating at this point about nine years after the divorce. I didn't go to bars or parties and. I didn't know anyone, so I thought, well, internet dating would be a good place to start. And I tried the Christian site. I never met anyone. I was never matched with anyone. And I got onto some of the other sites, and I fell into sexual sin. Well, that was the most horrible experience ever. I'd never done anything like that, and I just felt so condemned. I felt so guilty. That night, I came home, and I, I really felt like I couldn't go to sleep. I thought, if I go to sleep, I'm going to die and go to hell. Because I just, I felt like my soul was in this mortal uh, war. Like there was a war going on that I didn't understand. And I paced and cried all night. I think I finally fell asleep after daybreak around 5 a.m. 
when I woke up, I was shocked to see I was still alive. I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking, I'm still here. I'm still alive. And I was afraid. I mean, I walked around in fear of saying anything for the next few days. And I begged God and I did beg for forgiveness. I told God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Well, I mean, it was only maybe two, three weeks later that I encountered uh, someone on a website. I was in a forum. It was a question and answer forum that's no longer around. It was called Yahoo Answers. And it was a, a, a format where people posted questions about anything from A to Z. And then you could, if you logged in and joined the forum, you could answer questions. And so they had, you know, gardening, colors, painting, auto, uh, anything you can think of. And I ended up in like the TV, movies, music, entertainment section. And um, I was on there for many, many weeks. But a couple of weeks after all of this happened, I noticed somebody was following my profile. They were following the questions I posted and answering every one of them. And they sent me a message through the form. You could email through the form. It it was protected. And uh, it was very innocent, very nice. Wanted to know if he could contact me directly rather than going through the form because there was a delay with email messages. Well, come long story short, we started communicating through email. That was in September of 96. I mean, 06, September of 06. And by Thanksgiving, we had messaged each other so much We did not talk on the phone. We did not have webcams. All we had was email. And so he he messaged me and he said, I would really like to come and meet you in person. Well, he lived in Goshen, Indiana. I'm down uh, in Memphis area. It was 650 miles from one uh, address to the other. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want him to drive that far. I'd feel obligated to to spend time with him and we might not hit it off. And it that would just be so awkward. And I said, oh, no, I don't want you to do that. And so he let it go. And then when it gets close to Christmas, he wants to come for Christmas. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to have family here. I just kept putting him off. And then he, But he was persistent. And he said, well, my birthday is January 1. He said, I'd like to come down and meet you. He said, you know, we can just meet somewhere for coffee. And so he finally uh, talked me into it. And oh, my goodness, it was amazing. Uh, he had sent me a picture of himself that was not very flattering. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but it just, you couldn't see him very well. He was a full body shot and it was shadowed. And um, so when I saw him in person, I was like, wow, I felt like a somebody on a <laughs> blind date, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we sort of, we just stood there looking at one another because we had learned so much about each other from the inside out. Now we are facing this person and it's like, oh my goodness, they're, they're real. They're really here. <laughs> so we had not heard each other's voices because he didn't want us to talk on the phone until we had met in person. And so we talked for hours because we couldn't get enough of each other's voice. You know, listening to each other laugh, uh, seeing each other's expressions as they talk. You know, it was just incredible. And uh, he visited for several days over the weekend. And when he left, I thought, something's really amazing happened here. I was like still a little, like it can't be love. It can't be that because nothing like that would happen to me after what I've done, but it was really special. Well, he came back two weeks later. He came back down for a shorter visit. And then in uh, February, he came back for uh, Valentine's Day weekend. And uh, he asked me to marry him. He said, would you marry me and move to Goshen and be my wife? And I said, I would. 
and I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm like, I would, because during the time he was not here, I would, I thought about him all the time. And every time I would start getting these negative thoughts come in, this rush of love would just flood through me. It had to be God because that's the only place it could come from. And I knew everything was okay. I knew that he was real. He was being honest and I could trust him. So he visited and we, or I visited him for the rest of 2007. And uh, once a month, one of us traveled back and forth. I took my daughter with me for two months to meet his family. Uh, his parents are still alive. He had three older brothers and uh, in-laws and, you know, a bunch of nieces and nephews and things. And so uh, I felt so good about it. I mean, the rest of 2007, my feet didn't touch the floor and nothing bothered me. Nothing. I just floated through the days. You know, I couldn't believe this love had come into my life. And this is a good looking man. Um, and he loved me and he wanted to take care of me. I just would pitch myself this is real? Like, you know, God did this for me. And so uh, beginning of January of 08, uh, he came down. We, uh, he paid for all of the moving expenses, rented the large moving truck, paid a company to come load the truck because I lived in an upstairs apartment. And uh, then he drove the truck back up to Goshen. And um, I started life in Goshen and we got married later that year. And it's like everything changed all of a sudden. And I'm in the land of Goshen, which the only Goshen I knew of was ancient Egypt, you know. So <laughs> and I'd never been in Indiana before. So this was like, and that is a whole different uh, culture up there. Northern Indiana is a lot of Amish and Mennonite farms. Wow. And so the people in the city are English, as they call us. But the outlying farms are, are the other. And so it was so quaint it was small it was quiet it wasn't the traffic of interstate you know life and so it was fantastic we had bliss like every day was bliss and I thought I can't believe that love is this good because I thought that was only in fairy tales or in your imagination you know uh, I'd never been loved like that and he just could not do enough for me uh, and we just had this wonderful life. I mean, we never, there was never an argument. There was never tension. There was never strife. There was, it was just, we just flowed together, flowed. And then in March 22nd, 2011, I woke up and he was gone. He was dead. He had died about an hour before I woke up. And that uh, was so devastating. I couldn't hardly breathe. Um, I, I don't know what woke me up. I don't normally wake up at two in the morning, but something woke me up and I sat up in the bed and I said his name. I said, Scott. And of course, there was no answer. And I looked over at him. He's laying there. Uh, I can't see him because the light's off, but nothing looked weird. Nothing looked strange. So uh, I shook him and Scott, and he didn't move. And I got up and turned the light on, looked at him. He looked asleep. His eyes were closed. He looked like he is when he's sleeping. And I went over to him and I just kept shaking him. Scott, wake up. And he wasn't responding. And so I called 911 and I said, I can't wake my husband up because I just could not accept death. But the, I just couldn't accept that, you know. Well, uh, the paramedics came and I thought, well, he'll be okay. He'll be okay when the paramedics come. They had me do um, CPR before they got there. And that was really uh, horrible, to be honest. Um, I was breathing in. And uh, this gurgling sound would come back out every time I breathed in. And then I was pressing, you know, doing the chest and they had me count while we were on the phone. 
and I was just kind of went into a numb shock. I just, I didn't, couldn't process it. And the police took me to the hospital and they worked on him in the ER. And at 403, they said, we have to pronounce him dead. He's not responding to any of our measures. And I just, I stood there and I looked at that body on the table and I thought, Scott was gone before I ever woke up. That was what hit me. Scott was gone before I ever woke up. And I mean, life changed in that moment. Everything, everything just went so dark and painful. I couldn't believe that he was gone. I went home and the house was so quiet like a tomb. And I went in the bathroom and I picked up his toothbrush and I thought he's never going to use that again. There's his robe and his house shoes. He's not going to wear those again. And I thought, God, what's going to happen to me now? You know, and then the enemy wants to come in immediately and say, did you really think you're going to be allowed to be happy after the life you had? And, you know, condemnation comes on immediately following. Now, I wouldn't accept that. I just wouldn't believe that. I didn't believe God had taken Scott out of punishment, but I did not understand why Scott was gone. Why God only gave us those three precious years together. Well, I didn't have any family or friends around me because I mean, I lived up there. All my family's down here. And I wasn't close to his family. Uh, we did everything together. We didn't get involved in small group at church. We didn't b- get make friends. We just did everything together. We doted on one another. I mean, we sort of had God to the side of us, you know, uh, which wasn't right. But we were just so excited. Like Scott would look at me sometimes and say, where, where have you been all my life? And I'd look at him and I'd say, where did you come from? Because it's like, I believed part of him came from heaven. He didn't just come from Indiana. It was too good. It was too wonderful. You know, and here he is walking around unattached. I couldn't understand how somebody hadn't grabbed him up, to be honest. But anyway, uh, I didn't have anyone to talk to and I needed to talk to somebody. My thoughts were just driving me, you know, just nonstop, nonstop. And I just started talking to God. I just started talking to him, crying, talking, praying. I started getting in the word. Uh, reading the Bible, listening to, uh, I listened to Charles Stanley a lot at that time because Charles Stanley was teaching about the nature and character of God. And I started learning about God's, who God is, what kind of, you know, what is his personality, if you want to call it that, who is he? How does, how does he act? How does he think? How does he look at us? Um, these types of questions. And I started growing. And one night Um, I was on my knees in quiet time with the Lord and I just broke down and I said, Lord, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And I did a salvation prayer that night and I told him that I wanted to live for him. I never had the love that he had given me and I wanted that with him. And so that, that just changed everything. He became a bigger love than Scott had been and I didn't think anything could surpassed Scott but God God can and it just it just took over my life knowing him loving him talking to him praying with him um, and he carried me through the grief and in the process of the grief God opened up a lot of old wounds from the past that I thought were healed already and he led me to understand that a lot of my pain now was rooted to things from the past And so we opened up those old wounds over the next few years and we worked through that and he brought healing to things that uh, were deeper than I realized. And one of those was my relationship with my mother, which I didn't have. He told me one night I was reading Psalm 139. 
I love that psalm because I had read it many times, but one night I was reading it and it seemed like the words jumped off the page and he was speaking to me directly. And when I got through reading that, he said, you're mad at me about your mother. And of course, the first thing I want to do is deny it. And I'm like, no, I'm not mad at you, God. He goes, you're mad at me about your mother. And he brought pictures back to mind of when I was a child and I would lay in bed and cry at night. And I would ask God to heal my mother so my parents could be back together and we would have a family. I always had this fixation that if I had parents and a family, we'd be normal. And I wanted to be normal. And uh, when I got older, when I became an adult and I was around people in the workforce and different places, you realize that a lot of people who come from families are hurting too. They've suffered pain even in their family. And I know a, a good friend of mine who doesn't feel loved by her mother, though she's been in a loving family and home all of her life, but she still has this distance with her mom. So just having those things doesn't automatically mean it's going to make life beautiful and wonderful and perfect. Only God can do that. That's what he taught me. Having him is the key. It's not having anything else but him. And, and he started me with this new perspective. And I feel like he's rebuilding my life on this firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock. And he's the one I stand on. He's the one I lean on. And now Scott's been gone over 12 years. And I've continued to grow and grow and grow. And uh, he has strengthened me. He's strengthened my faith. He's changed my whole perspective about myself, about life, about people, about others. And uh, I thank him for that every day. I thank him for Scott, the love we shared, and for the love that came from him. He loved me and he loved Scott through one another. But it was all his love for us. He was teaching us and showing himself to us. We both needed him. And uh, I just think life is so amazing. Once you know him, because God reveals things on a deeper level than you're ever going to learn reading a book or listening to anyone else talk. You need that one-on-one -on -one with him. Even if you're just sitting quietly with him, it's not a formal Bible study. It's sitting quietly with him, telling him what you really think. See, when I was grieving, I would tell God why I was hurting. Uh, I would be driving down the road because Scott always drove when we were married. And when I had to start driving by myself, I'd just cry and cry. And I'd say, God, I liked Scott driving. I miss him being in the car with me. I've got no one to talk to. So I'm just going to talk to you while I'm driving. And I'd be crying and talking and driving. And he would minister to me. You know, when God's ministering to you, you get the tenderness that comes over you. Um, he didn't treat me like a baby. He was uh, wise and kind and patient, I think is what I would say. And uh, I knew when he healed me, when he lifted all the grief, all the pain off of me, it was July 4th weekend of 2016. I left Goshen in 12. I moved down to Knoxville where my son lived. And I stayed down there. Uh, a friend of mine set up two book signings in Goshen in 16 over the July 4th weekend. So I went back for those. And when I left Goshen on that Sunday morning, I went to church. I went to our church um, just to go, you know. And uh, when I left Goshen, there was no pain. There were no tears. He had healed me from all of that. And that meant I was going to start another chapter doing, you know, moving on with him. And so that's what I'm still doing, Tiffany. I'm still growing and learning. 
uh, he taught, he called me to write my book in 2013 while I was still grieving. And it took me over a year to get in obedience with him. Um, and you think, oh, God, if God told me to do something, I'd do it right away. Well, I thought that, too, until he told me to do it. And it seemed impossible, you know. Uh, but he walked me through it. Once I started, once I made a step of faith, then he helped me. Uh, I quit my job and I wrote full time. And when I would sit down at the computer, I would say, Holy Spirit, what are we going to write today? Because I didn't even know what order to put the book in, where to start my story. And he guided all of that. All of it. He brought the book cover picture into my life. I met. I got to talk to the photographer who gave permission to use that print with no royalty fee. Um, then he, uh, the book public. Deborah had run a book publishing contest, and I won that contest. That's how the book got published. Wow. Um, I know he he did everything was provided by God. I didn't even pay for the printing. When it came time for the book to be printed. Uh, I received an invoice for the cost, and it was it was significant because you had to have a minimum order of 100 books for the first printing, and you had to set up fees, you know. So I just started praying. I said, okay, God, you wrote the book. You've provided the publisher. And we need this much money for the printing. And it, several weeks went by. I might think about six weeks went by. And someone someone contacted her and paid for it anonymously. They didn't want to be known. And they paid her anonymously for all of those fees. Wow. And I just, I just sat in amazement at God. Like, you know, God can and will do anything. If you do what he tells you to do, he will provide. He will take care of it. And he will connect you with the people that uh, he wants to work through. Because I didn't know Deborah. I had never even seen her Facebook page. It just showed up on my screen one day as a suggested page. And when I first read the... Uh, it was an ad, like an average, not like a formal ad, but it was a page, you know, about this contest. And I read it and I thought, oh, that's probably just a scam. And I clicked off of it. And immediately I heard these words. Have you not prayed for a publisher? Well, I immediately went back to that page <laughs> and then read it again. And then I entered the contest. And at the end of the month, I was declared the winner. I just danced around. God, 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 you are so amazing. I love quiet time with the Lord. Sometimes I sing. Sometimes I kind of dance around depending on where I am. Uh, and uh, and I just talk to him. I still just talk to him like I did when I was grieving because he delights me. He is the delight of my life. And um, I don't know where I'm headed, but I know that uh, it's all going to be good because he's going to be with me. He's going to be with me. Amen. Wow. Okay. You have me over here crying. <laughs> Oh, my nodding in my seat right now. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the, when you first started talking, Holy Spirit kind of highlighted some things. And the first thing I thought of was the scripture in Psalm 68 that God is the father to the fatherless and he's a mm -hmm. defender of the widows. And that, you know, for people listening right now, if you can relate to Iris's story and maybe you've been in and out of the government system and maybe bad things happened to you as a foster child or maybe you were adopted and you don't know your birth parents or maybe you you had on the outside the picture perfect family, but on the inside it was a hot mess mm. that that scripture you can take comfort in that God is a father to the fatherless. 
that God literally will father you, wants to father you. He's a good father. And, you know, listening to the first part of your story, Iris, I was just, oh, it broke my heart to know as a little kid that you wrestled with those thoughts, that you literally thought that God that Jesus loved children all differently. Like I, I have four children under eight and the thought of them thinking that Jesus doesn't love them as much as some other kids or that, you know, Jesus would never do something for them. It literally, like as a mother, it's almost like I can't even tolerate the thought of it. It just, it makes me want to just bust out in tears that, and, and I know that that is a realization. I know that there are children that grew up that way. I understand that there are children right now that don't know that Jesus loves them and that, mm-hmm. and that, you know, God is a good shepherd and a good father. What I'm thankful for in your story is that you've now at 64, God has, God has revealed that to you. Now he's, like you said, he's built you on a firm foundation. Now mm-hmm. you have the understanding that you were, you were, chosen and set apart before the foundation of time before you were a thought in your mother's womb God set you apart and that you're worthy that Jesus went to the cross for you the Bible says that he'd leave the 99 for the one like you were the one that he he left to go I mean he he left the 99 for you Iris he left the 99 for me whoever's listening he left the group of sheep to go after you that's the God that we serve he's a very personal God um, and that he is a father to the fatherless. And, and, you know, I've, I've come to this understanding over the, over the years, I grew up in a, in a home where my, you know, my, my parents were amazing providers, but emotionally there was some dysfunction and, um, I had daddy issues. And for a long time, I've just like what you said, Iris, I viewed heavenly father through, I, I, I viewed him as I viewed my earthly father. Mm. So for me, I viewed, I viewed my heavenly father as, as a father who's checked out as a father who will provide and is an amazing provider and does love me, but emotionally will not meet my needs emotionally. Doesn't know how to show me his love to, to show me his kindness, right. To meet that. And so Mm -hmm. until we get to a place where we can view father rightly, we will always, unfortunately, find attributes in our earthly father and measure God up to that and just believe that God is like that. Now, you could have had the most amazing father and, well, praise the Lord, then your view of, of heavenly father is going to be great. But for those who have had, um, you know, father wounds, until we allow God to deal with those places, we're going to view our heavenly father distortedly. We're not going to view him rightly. And, you know, we may, this may take the whole duration of our lifetime, this side of eternity to come to, to, to work those things out. But the good news is, is that God wants us to view him rightly and he's willing to show us. But like you said, he had to bring you through back through some old wounds of childhood to reveal to you your wrong thinking, to reveal to you the trauma that you experienced and how he was there and how he was protecting you or, or how it wasn't him that allowed those things to, you know, it wasn't him that did those things to you. We have mm-hmm. a real enemy, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people have free will. And, and so when you were speaking, I just, 
I thought about how many times we view our heavenly father through our earthly father. And it's just, we just don't see God rightly. And, and we, you know, that, that needs to be a prayer of our heart that we would see God rightly, that he would help us to see him rightly. Um, yeah, that, that's so true, Tiffany, because, um, when I went to Sunday school, um, you know, we had the little Bible stories on a flannelette board and I, I loved those stories, but they seemed like past ancient history. There was no connection to how Jesus is a part of your present life. How, how, does, how do you walk with Jesus in present day? Everything I saw was Jesus 2000 years ago. And so we have God, but I saw God way off in the distance. You know, he's a judge. He's going to come back and get his people one day. Well, am I one of his people? Who are his people? You know, it was like I couldn't make the connection between the past ancient history of the biblical stories to the present day walk with Christ. And um, I didn't get I really didn't understand that till after Scott died and I started my own relationship with God. And I spent a lot of time in the word or listening to teaching or just spending time with him. Because sometimes when I would, you know, what I noticed with God is sometimes when I'm reading scripture, he will answer something that I've asked two weeks ago. He won't he won't. He won't talk about what I'm talking about today. He'll just all of a sudden give me an answer about something that I'm not asking about anymore. And then he brings revelation. And you're just like, oh, God was listening. He remembered that I asked about that. Or sometimes he'll answer something that I haven't voiced out loud. Something that's just been in my heart. And you know that's God. When he answers something that nobody knows, you know that's the Lord. And he, it's so precious and so tender to have that intimacy with him i think that's the most wonderful thing about the relationship with god is the intimacy that you have with him yes i I know iris i know exactly what you're talking about when you haven't you haven't talked to the lord about a certain situation it's just something you're pondering yes and then god will answer it it trips me up every time i'm like god god loves me so much that he gave me something that I was literally pondering if I was going to ask him or I thought about, and it could be Iris. It could be something as silly as in my heart while I'm homeschooling my kids. I just, I'm just in my heart thinking, man, I would love an iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) And then my mom is off work that day and shows up at my house with an iced coffee. And I'm like, God, you are just too good. I can't take it. Like he knew the desire of my heart. He was, he knew my thoughts and he provided in such a way that people look at that and they're like, seriously, Tiffany coffee. And I'm like, no, that's, that's the God that I serve. He cares so much about me wanting some caffeine in a cup that he sent my mom to deliver it without me even asking. I know like, it's so wonderful. It is so wonderful. And 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 obviously that was like a funny example, but there's been there's been other things that have been a tremendous like wow god. Wow, mm. that, you came through for me again. And so dude, Iris, you're like yes. I I feel like, man, I can completely relate. And then that's what <laughs> Psalm 139, your favorite your favorite verse, your chapter. Mm-hmm. The book of the Bible, like, dude, Psalm 139 says he knows our thoughts before they even come out of our mouth. That's why I love what you said when you went through that season of grieving after lo- losing Scott, that you just became very transparent with the Lord. And this mm-hmm. is something that I've learned in my walk with the Lord is like, dude, I'm going to be transparent with him. Yes, he's a holy God. And yes, I am to revere him and and to understand that he is holy. But I also understand that one of his attributes is he is a gracious, goodness father and and 
if I'm in my perspective of like, how would I, how would I talk to my earthly father? Well, as a child, when I was upset, I went to him, I talked to him, whatever, and he could handle it. Right. And and yeah. so how much more my heavenly father. And so I encourage people all the time, man, be transparent with God. It is so yes. liberating. It's so free. And he can handle your temper tantrum. He can handle your emotion where emotion uh, people like to say like, we in, you know, in the Christian world, it's like, oh my gosh, we just, we don't cry because we don't show weakness or we don't do this because that's not healthy. No emotions are healthy. I was just having this conversation <laughs> with my eight, six, four and two year old today because <laughs> one, my six year old was calling my four year old a cry baby. And I said, Hey guys, that is not, that is not edifying, exhorting or encouraging one another. And you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, it's better to just to keep your mouth closed. Like we, we need to be encouraging one another. And I said, and then I brought this point up to him. I said, I said, Samuel, do you know that in the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus wept and he just kind of looked at me and I said, would you call Jesus a crybaby? And he just looked at me like, no, mom, I would not do such a thing. And I oh. said, God created emotion and it's okay to have these emotions. It's okay to process through the emotion where it becomes unhealthy is if we choose to stay in that place. The Bible says in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it does not say, yea, though I sleep, yea, though I run, yea, though I pitch a tent. That's where it becomes dangerous with our emotions is if we stay in that place and we never move forward with Jesus, we never process the pain. That's when emotion becomes dangerous. But to be able to just process something and go to father father i'm frustrated i'm upset i'm grieving and allowing him to take his hand and go through it that's okay and um so i love what you said about you just you got to a place where you know what i'm gonna be transparent with god i'm gonna let him know i'm grieving he's gonna see this side of me and and to get to a place where it's okay and and uh it's a beautiful place to be iris it is it is you know it, the thing about god People say, well, I don't have to tell God what I think because he knows everything. Relationship is built on communication. So if you want relationship with God, you need to talk to him and always be honest. Even if even if you look ugly in what you're saying, if your behavior was ugly, be honest with him. God has watched every person ever born since creation started across this stage of life. He's familiar with everything that we could ever do, think or say. And he knows how to help us. He knows us. And he wants us to have, he wants us to have maturity. He wants us to have healing. He wants us to be in a better position to know him, understand him and let him walk with us. Not just go to him when we have a problem or a tragedy, but to let him share in the joy of our life, in the day-to-day -day routine of our life. He's a part of it. And every little thing that he is involved with is always better. I tell people all the time, if anything is good, God can make it better. And if it's better. But I do love what you said about, uh, I thought, oh my gosh, that, that brings me freedom. Even you saying it about relationship takes communication. Yes. And the enemy, the enemy would like to like to say, you know, there's that verse that says on that day, they will, the Lord will say, I never knew you. And I know a lot of people that struggle with that. They're like, oh my gosh, am I saved? Am I not? I think I'm saved. But, and it all goes back to exactly what you said. Are you in communication and fellowship with father? Do you mm -hmm. have a relationship with him? Are you an intimate, do you have intimacy with him? Then the Lord knows you, of course, you know? 
so I, I love that communication. We've got to be in communication with Father. Yeah, and you know, if, you, if you're coming from a place of deep hurt, where you've never really known God, you know, you have a perception of Him, but it's not it's not the true perception of Him. The devil would like for you to just stay quiet and sit there and nurse your offenses, your pain, your losses, just stay wrapped up in that bondage. And God is saying, speak it out. Talk to me about it and we'll get it cleaned up. We'll get it straightened out. We'll bring healing. And that is so much freedom. When I, even though I was still grieving, I had such peace in my soul, in my heart. I might still be crying through the day while I'm working, uh, which is part of a normal part of grief. Don't try to stop your tears. That is normal. You need to let that ex be expressed. But it, I would have peace and I would sleep well at night. And I would think, this is so bizarre. I mean, like, I don't want to say I'm happy, but I've got this sweet peace at the same time that I'm crying and I still miss Scott. I mean, I, I still missed him, of course. I couldn't believe I had such wonderful life. And then, I mean, like in the split second, it was gone. And, and life can change like that. I'm sure others have had things happen in their life when in a snap of a finger, everything was altered, you know. And so, but God is never changing. And it doesn't catch him by surprise. And he's just waiting for you to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And he will. Yeah. He will. You know, I, I like that brings up another point I wrote down. Um, you had made the comment of like, like how the enemy wanted to tell you, like, are you are you sure? Like, how do you think God would allow this good thing to last and and how you shut it down? But the thing of it is, I wrote down in my notes, bad things happen to good people. Yes. And, and we can look at scripture. It, it's it at the very essence of it all. I believe personally, it's because we live in a fallen world. It's, it's just sin nature. Like bad things happen to good people. Why? Mm -hmm. Because there's free will and there's people have choices. And unfortunately, sin, people that sin, sin against you, you can be affected greatly by that. Bad things happen to I've, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, yes. you know, but the beautiful promises is Jesus comes to give life, life more abundantly. Romans 8, 28, God will work all things together for, for our good and his glory. I think about Genesis 50, 20, Joseph is standing before his brothers and they're repenting to him. And he's like, oh, it's okay. See what the enemy meant for bad. God is used for good. And so, yes, unfortunately, mm -hmm bad things happen to good people and um you know it's but but god is still good god is still worthy of being praised and god will help us get to those situations just like he's helped iris walk through the death of her husband and and go through all of this grief also i love that you touched on abortion and that yes. you know because i believe there's people listening that that have had abortions or that have maybe committed adultery or maybe they've stolen or maybe they've but you name the sin whatever it is to you it's bad sin in god's eyes is the same sin in people's mm -hmm. eyes is different we judge it differently but in god's eyes sin is sin yes. and the beautiful thing about it is if there is repentance it's under the blood and so you can talk about abortion yes i i agree with you i think it's a terrible thing but when we if we've if we've committed that sin, if we go to Father and we ask for forgiveness and we freely receive it, that is under the blood. 
and we can move forward and, and just trust that God is still good and that God still loves us. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, right. you know, I, I think about my, my, my before Christ days, like, yes, there were things I did that are disgusting, but I'm so thankful that I can go to a God and I can f- ask for forgiveness. And because of the blood of Jesus, that stuff gets thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and I can move forward. And, and, and there is still a hope and a future for me. Yes. And so I love that you touched on it. I love that you confessed it and that, you know, it is, it, it is what it is and, and how you shared it. I, there's freedom and being able to talk about, you know, the poor choices we've made, but also coming to a place of, of repentance and freedom. Yes. And God will bring healing with it. You will not be, you will not be walking around feeling guilty or ashamed because see, when I had mine, uh, I had a terrible infection that lasted for weeks and weeks afterwards. And so there was a lot of guilt and shame with that because I felt like I was being punished for doing something that is not right. And, um, but I was more afraid of the child being something being wrong with it. Like my mother, I really had a fear of that because my sister and I were both afraid we might end up like her because we didn't really understand what was wrong with her. And so I thought the baby would be better off in heaven than being down here and have something wrong with it. Well, you know, that's a stupid way to think. That's a that's a flesh thing of thinking. And I'm not God. It's not my call to make. But I had carried that around for decades. And when I became an adult and worked in the offices, I never told anyone about that because there was such a some people have such a horrible view of anyone that would kill a baby. And I didn't want to feel that backlash if someone knew about me and it could be held against me and the, you know how the workforce is. Um, and so I kept that to myself for decades. Uh, I, I confessed it like maybe one or two people knew about it, but no one else. I wouldn't dare tell anyone. And so, uh, but God gave me the freedom with the healing of that. He knew he was there when it happened. Uh, it doesn't mean he approved, but he knows everything. And so I, I did have freedom with confessing that to God. And now I can talk to people about it. And I've been amazed since that book's come out, how many people have told me that they had an abortion and they've never told anyone. Wow. So, you know, and God wants to heal that. Yes, because he, he knows the enemy will use your past sin as bondage so that you never get into relationship with Christ or you don't grow in relationship with him if you are saved. Right. And that's, a, that's tragic. Mm-hmm. It is. The, the other thing that I wanted to uh, camp on was, you know, all through your childhood, I believe what you dealt with was an orphan spirit. And the Bible says, you know, in an orphan spirit, it, it invades a person's mind, causing them to, to have a sense of abandonment from past hurts or experiences. It, it comes from a place of rejection, dis- great disappointment. And, and we, you know, when we, when we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. We are accepted. We God sees us as worthy because when he looks at us, he sees the blood of his son. And the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And so oftentimes we can we can deal with a spirit, an orphan spirit of just feeling like an orphan, feeling like we're we don't fit, feeling mm-hmm. like we constant we're just constantly rejected and abandoned and you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel all of that. I want to encourage you to just 
get spend some time with God and ask God, God, am I dealing with an orphan spirit? Is that something that's oppressing me? Is it messing with my mind? And Father, He's so gracious, He will say yes. And then you'll it's simply just saying, God, what is the lie I'm believing? What mm-hmm. is it? And Father will say, He He's gonna show you, and then you break agreement with the lie. I break agreement with this lie, whatever lie God exposes, and then you say, Father. What is the truth about, you know, what is the truth about me? And, you know, if it's, if it is rejection, you break the, you break the lie with the rejection. And then God says, well, you're accepted in the beloved. You're worthy. You've been bought with the price. First Corinthians, the blood of Jesus. And you come into agreement with that. That's bringing yourself through deliverance. That's experiencing freedom in Christ. Yes. Breaking agreement with the lies coming out of agreement with the enemy and into agreement with the word of God. And so it's, it's really easy. We, we tend to make things so complicated. It's just God I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with worry or separation, anxiety, fear. And I feel like this is a stronghold in my mind. God, am I dealing with an orphan spirit and God, God will say yes or no. And then let Holy Spirit lead, go bring you through deliverance. And so as you were talking, I believe that's something that the Lord has delivered you from. Um, yeah. Just with you being in and out of foster care, in and out of different homes, the, the un, you know, the unknown, the instability, feeling that abandonment and that rejection as a child. But now as you've entered into a relationship with Jesus and you've been on this journey, you have history with God. You have this intimacy with him. You are now walking in such a freedom that you know you're a child of God. You know that you're accepted in him. You know that you've been bought with a price. It's it's beautiful that it's so beautiful to go on this journey with Jesus. But like I said, it's not, it doesn't feel good. It's often painful. Mm-hmm. But if we can get past the pain, if we can have the perspective that in the end, the outcome of all of this is that I'm going to bear much fruit for the glory of God. I'm going to be more whole. I'm going to experience new levels of freedom and healing. It makes going through that a lot easier because you know what's set before you. What That's the joy set before you that you can endure, that you can allow God to go back to these places and deal with those wounds. Yes. And, you know, being with Christ, being knowing who you are in Christ. I identify with that. I don't identify with my past. I tell people what I've done. I've told people, you know, the, the, what I've done, uh, the bad choices I made and things like that. But I don't identify with who I used to be. I identify with who I have been since, I lost, since Scott moved to heaven. This is who I am. I am loved by Christ. I am forgiven. I have the peace, love, and joy in my heart of the Holy Spirit. I seek him and his wisdom and discernment every day. And I feel like such a different person. I mean, I feel like my best years are ahead of me. I feel so alive that more than I ever did when I was young, because I've got this freedom and this truth of who Christ is. And he is in me. I have the power of the living God inside me. And sometimes that just kind of amazes me when I sit and think about that, you know, because it's, it's empowering. It's empowering to face whatever you're going through. You're going to make it because Christ won't let go of you. You may, you know, and so that's a wonderful, I feel like everything God has given me just, it just cancels out all the junk from the past because, you know, God doesn't care where we start. It matters how we finish. And I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. 
was I was on a coaching call this morning. I had the honor of of coaching a group of women, and and that was the word the Lord gave me was out of Matthew when Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. And one of the points the Lord showed me was that our faith activates the supernatural. That mm. we and, and and we are supernatural beings when we when we are born again, we become a new creation in Christ, and we have the opportunity to to literally have a live the life of the miraculous to constantly have the miraculous taking place. Just like I said, because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us. We hope we house the hope of glory. That scripture like blows my mind. I don't even think like I can actually, like, I don't think I fully comprehend even what that means. And it's just, I'm just like, Holy moly. Like I, my <laughs> vessel houses the hope of glory. Like, that is an incredible thought. It is. Like, it's so powerful. It's it, so powerful. It, I love what you said. It's empowering to know that we, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is of mm-hmm. the world. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so, man, I love what you said. The best days are ahead of you and that you feel like uh, all that God has done is canceled out the past. Like, yes, it's about getting out of the boat, walking on water, eyes fixed on Jesus and and just you know, we're, we're about our father's business. Yes. Um, I love, 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 love that, you know, all of this came out of a place of grief for you that I love what you said. God became a bigger love than Scott. And that yes. through Scott's death, you entered into salvation with Jesus. It, you entered into a relationship reconciled to the father. God will use anything to get a hold of his children. God will, he knows how to get a hold of his children. He knows how to talk to them, speak to them, woo them, pursue them. And I love your story. Mm-hmm. I love that you had a moment where you were like, God, I don't even know if I'm saved, but I'm giving my, I, I, today I'm going to settle the matter. Today mm-hmm. I'm going to cry out and I'm going to ask you to come and be the savior of my life. And so I love how God gave you beauty for ashes, how in this moment of grief and loss and pain, out of it, something beautiful came. And that was your healing in Jesus and your relationship with Jesus and um, being able to reflect on your marriage with Scott and to see that it was God's love through Scott to you and vice versa. It's yes. just beautiful. It's your story is, I'm just, your, your story has messed me up. <laughs> it, I, I sometimes, you know, Tiffany, I can't believe that I lived it. And then I've written about it. And now I talk about it. I'm like, who would have ever thought when I met Scott that this was the path that I would be following? You know, you don't know what God has in store. But I look back at that year of 2007 when we were traveling back and forth visiting once a month. And I think about how I felt that month, that there was never any doubt. Every time a little sniggle of doubt would try to come in, I mean, immediately that flood of love would just would just wash over me. Wow. And I thought, I, God's telling you that this is what I'm supposed to do. Wow. And everything just fell into place. Wow. Everything just fell into place. I, I really felt like Cinderella. When I was a child, we had library day in elementary school. And I always would get two books. And one would always be fairy tales from some country. And because I loved fairy tales. It was escape, I guess, from, you know, loveless life. But uh, I identified with Cinderella. I really did. And so uh, I felt like, Scott, here's Prince Charming knocking on the door. He didn't have a glass slipper, but he had a wonderful heart. And it was just 
fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I really, I love talking about it because I, I, I feel that all over again, I can feel the love all over again when I talk about it. And one thing I learned, Tiffany, when I was at Scott's funeral and they were lowering the casket into the ground, I remember thinking that all of the love and the wonderful moments we shared were going right down in the ground with him. But the, one of the first things I realized was love does not die. And the love I shared with him is stronger than it was. It grows. It deepens. And we'll take that into eternity with it. Wow. Wow. I, I, yes. Wow. Incredible. You know, to wrap, to wrap this episode up, I feel like the main application of our conversation is that to just, to be in a relationship with God, to be communicating with God. And, you know, one way we learn the attributes of God, we learn the nature of God. We learn Maybe you're listening and you're like, but I don't know what God says about me or I don't, you don't know what I've done, Tiffany and Iris. You, it's not near as bad as what you've talked about. I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And there's no mess that the blood of Jesus cannot clean up. He right. is the, the blood of Jesus is the best stain remover. He can take your, un, the blood of Jesus brings you from unrighteous to righteous. The blood of Jesus brings you from unholy to holy. The blood of Jesus brings you from unforgiveness to forgiven. The blood of Jesus brings you from unaccepted to accepted. The blood of Jesus is where it's at. And, and so I want to encourage you, the, the way you learn about who God is, who Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, how to pray, how to live your life, how to seek the will of the Father, what is wisdom, what is knowledge, what is understanding, what, is, what does God say about sickness and disease, what does God say about arboring unforgiveness, what does God say about defilement, bitterness, malice, gossip, it's in the word of God. You have to get in the word of God. You have to spend time in the word because that's how you begin to know who God is. That's that's where you learn who you are in him. And like Ira said, when she gets in the word, revelation just comes. And she God begins to answer questions that she's been pondering and asking and thinking about. And so I want to encourage you today to get in the word of God. Memorize. Maybe if you're dealing with fear, anxiety, stress, worry, maybe you're you're stuck in a season of grief and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this grief. Go to the word of God and, and start studying. What does the Bible say about grief? And then what does the Bible say about joy? And begin to declare scriptures over your life about joy. Begin to prophesy over your life the word of God. And it's going to take root and God's going to begin to move. See, the, the Bible says that the word of God is living and active. And so God's word prospers when it's sent out. So I want to encourage you to, to open your Bible and ask, ask God, God, show me something new today. God, speak to me. Reveal your nature to me. Um, and, and God's going to do that. Yes, he will. He will. I read a lot of Psalms when I was grieving. Uh, David experienced great joy, great defeat, great fall, uh, but he still loved God. And um, God spared his life, even though he had great sin. And uh, I, I just identified a lot with what David wrote in the Psalms. And um, but then I also loved the, the Gospels. I read the Gospels. You know, I just read one after the other. And then when I really got 
sold on my identity. When I mean sold, I mean like it really made sense to me. I stayed a lot in Colossians and Ephesians until I got those principles in me. He's telling me, Iris, I am in you. Um, you know, and just the things that they wrote in Colossians and Ephesians, I just identified with those. And I said, this is who I am. I'm a child of God. These things apply to me. This is who I am. And so um, it's just wonderful to read the book because while you're reading the words, the printed word, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your spirit at the same time. And sometimes you can be aware that the Lord is downloading something and you can't quite grasp it, but he'll reveal it when he want, when he's ready to reveal it. You will get that revelation. Hey, well, it's, it's so phenomenal that because you never know what he's going to say or what he's going to reveal. Just reading a passage of scripture and asking God to speak to you. Lord, your servant is listening. What do you have to say to me today? I'd like, I want to hear from you. Sometimes I get up and I'll say, Father, I want to see you today. I want to hear from you. I want to receive from you, Father. Please join me on this day. Let's go through this day together. And what can I do for you? You know, I just, I feel that vibrant, alive every morning. Thank you for another day, Father. I'm awake. I can see. Thank you, God. You know, you just love life on a different level. Not because you're going through some wonderful happening or circumstance, but just the relationship with him. You know he's the air that you breathe. You know he's the one that takes care of you. And you just, you don't have to have another person. You can just be with him and you're going to be all right. Amen. Oh. oh, Iris, this has been so good. I'm so grateful that God connected us. He's a God of divine appointments. I'm thankful that I've just had this opportunity to listen to your story and minister with you to others. And I would love as we end this episode if you would open us up in prayer and i will close in prayer and that'll wrap up our episode today on testimonies with tiffany oh thank you tiffany I, i'm happy to pray heavenly father i thank you so much for this time to bring you glory to talk of you to share what you have done in my life in this in this time with tiffany i thank you for giving for you giving her this platform to share testimonies with uh, people everywhere, Lord. And we all have different stories. They're all because of you, and we thank you for it. And, God, I pray for those who, who will hear this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that if there's any of them, anyone who does not really understand who you are, who does not have a good perspective of you, who's never really learned uh, accurate teaching about your nature, your character, the way you are, I pray that you would open their eyes and their heart and their mind to you. Father, I pray you would reveal yourself to people who need revelation of you. They, they, they may be curious about you. They may be afraid of you. Uh, they may think they can't approach you because they're not somebody's anyone special. All of these things, Father, that are wrong perceptions, I pray you would just break through that and just bring your love into their life. Bless them. Reveal your love for them. Draw them to you. Open their mouth to speak to you, Father, because that's your desire to have relationship with your people. And we all need you, Lord. Times are good. Times are bad. We need you because we need your wisdom, your discernment. We want you to guide us in every way. And I pray, Lord, that you will draw people into relationship with you, bring healing to the things that they feel that they cannot tell anyone. They don't want to tell you. They want to hide from you. The night that I came home with such terror i was that way i wanted to hide from you i didn't want you to look at me but god you are already there you saw everything that happened and so you want us to talk to you about it 
because you want to bring healing. And sometimes there's other things connected to the pain that we don't know, but you do. And you want us to be completely free. Jesus died for us to have complete freedom. And I pray for that freedom and your people, Lord, whether they're saved or lost, I pray for them all to have the complete freedom of Christ in their heart and in their life. Father, we thank you, God, that we can come to you at any time. You never sleep, you never slumber. You're always available. You're always ready for us, Father. We love you, God. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do for people who need you so desperately, God, in Jesus name. Yes, and if you're listening to this episode right now and you've never given your life to the Lord, maybe you you can relate to Iris after the loss of her husband and she wasn't sure if she was saved. She decided to settle the matter that night. I want to encourage you today to settle the matter right now, to know that if you died, you would spend eternity in heaven with with God the Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. So the Bible says this, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I want to encourage you right now to call on the name of Jesus. Begin to cry out wherever you are confess your sin to him confess that you want him to be the this the lord of your life that you want him to be your savior that you realize that he died on the cross for your sins he was buried and rose again and he's coming back and the bible says as you do this by faith as you open your mouth and you declare that jesus christ is your lord and savior your name is being written in the lamb's book of life and all of heaven is rejoicing right now and i want to tell you welcome to the family father i pray for those who said yes to you that settled the matter with their salvation today father i pray for people to come around them that would disciple them that would strengthen them in their relationship with you god i pray that they would get plugged into a local church god where they're having corporate worship and they're in fellowship with like-minded believers god i pray for those listening god just what my sister ira said Oh, God, that we would, I pray that you would take us to a new level of intimacy with you, God, that we would wake up just like Ira said, Father, thank you for another day. How can I serve you? How are we going to do this day together? God, that we would just be in communion with you constantly. God, help us to be in fellowship with you daily. Help us to be aware of your presence daily. Even as me and Iris opened up the episode about talking about you as Elohim, the creator, that we'd just be so aware, even outside in creation, that your creation is speaking, that you're wanting to to reveal things to us. God, I declare your word, Jeremiah 33, 3. God, I call on you right now, and I ask that you would show all of us listening, all of us listening, show us great and mighty things we do not know, Father. Show us great and mighty things we do not know. God, help us to steward our testimony. Help us to continually just declare the works of you, Father, and what you've done in our life. Help us to keep a right perspective of you, Father, and a right perspective of our situation, God. I thank you for this time. I bless my sister, Iris. I thank you that she's more than an overcomer in you, Christ Jesus. I thank you, God, for all that you've done in her life and are doing in her life. I bless you, Iris, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in her and through her. I thank you that her best days are ahead. I thank you, God, that you have plans to prosper her, Father. I thank you that he who began a good work in Iris will be faithful to complete it. Father, I thank you for the listeners. I bless them. 
I bless you listening in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for bringing revelation and wisdom and understanding through this episode. Father, we give you the glory now. We thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ. And we say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Iris, thank you so much again for coming on and being a guest and sharing your story with us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Tiffany. This has been such a privilege and an honor, and it just thrills my soul to tell what God has done, to give him the glory and to just thank him again and again and again for delivering me and saving my soul and rescuing me from the, the depths that I had fallen to. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Amen. Well, that's going to conclude our episode today on Testimonies with Tiffany. Remember, you do what's possible and let God do what's impossible. Man, wasn't that an incredible testimony? I bet you're so glad you stuck around. Look, if you want more information about Iris's book, I want to give it to you. You can find it on Amazon Books, and it's called Showered by Grace. Her first name is Iris. Her last name is Long. Again, you can find it on Amazon Books. It's called Showered by Grace. So go check it out. Buy it. Support a Christian author and show her some love. Thanks for listening to Testimonies with Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review online. To catch all the latest from Tiffany, you can follow her on Instagram at TifferTom, and you can subscribe to her email list to get exclusive updates at TravisAndTiffanyTombry.com. That's all spelled out. <laughs> Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.